True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. Now, you're out there, you have acres and acres, hundreds of acres. All you have to do is water <laughs> okay. and mow, and they'll do the rest. Nope. Weed control, which you hate, fertilization, mm -hmm. aer aeration. Can't stand it. Among others. They'll do all that. So you can do literally anything else. Dana's out there like Yellowstone. You have better things to do in your free time. I know you do. You don't want to focus on lawn care. True green is too good to be true, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. But it is true. Right, David? Because yeah. you're going to have more time to do yeah, things that you want to focus on. All the hard work and it gets yeah. you to a great lawn. That's what you want. You take care of everything else you got to do in your life. You're very busy. Let True Green take care of this one thing. Get it off your plate. You know what? I do have some space. I want to put some grass down. Some I, I might. This, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll call you later, talk, True Green. Talk to True Green. <laughs> Where can listeners mm -hmm. purchase or learn more? You go to TrueGreen.com. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. Whoa. They offer a satisfaction guaranteed, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. That is such a cool thing. Good job, True Green. You're nailing it. I'm just allergic to and the bites. And San Inez, to there's the bites. tons of tarantulas. I hate it. And they're like this. Get fucked. And they go, well, it's mating season. And the thing is going like and then they look one, at you, one you. foot every two minutes. I go, what, is he sprinting towards <laughs> someone to have sex with? See, you talk about the slow plays. Like... No, they really walk weird there, but they're slow. But they, they're they in our house up there all they of a sudden. They go like this, too. Creeping around. They're, I, yeah, that's it. I have them in Arizona. They're, they're, they're not, they go, those don't bite, I don't think. I need more proof. Tell that to my leg. Yeah. Tell us my swollen left nut. We I have, knew you were going there. I know, it's horrible. Tell it to my scrotum, okay? Dude, I- Nothing like a shark bite on your Denny lower Johnson. chest. Look, Remember what? Denny Johnson? Denny Johnson, He of goes course. like this. The other day, he's got a van to travel for stand-up. He goes, the other day, I slammed my finger in my van. Uh, it got all big and purple and swollen, so then I slammed my dick in there. <laughs> That's a great line. I know. That's just a he, great joke. He's the guy that said he wrote his whole act in one night when he was fucked yeah. up or something. And then he always has done the, that's when you could do your same act. I was going to ask Lano that if that's true. There are, there is a thing, a poison in a way that people get 20 minutes the first week, literally, and then ride it for a half century. That's what they used to be able to do. You just travel with it. Three Stooges never changed their line. <laughs> for a half century. <laughs> they went on the road. Because they got nothing for their shorts, and they just da, na, 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 na. Tom Segura. Oh no! Now we have a theme. <laughs> it works. Well, I like the hand thing. It works again. Tom Scarotum. What is Tom his name? Scalaco. Tom Scarogoga. He is uh, Tom Segura. He's Bert Kreischer's friend. Ooh, we're buddies. Gross. Two bears, but, one cave. You think by this point they could buy a second cave, okay? You know, I went to Sunglass Hut the <laughs> other day. I go, this place is doing pretty well. I think they can move into a building. Um, Tom Segura. Tom is, Segura uh, is, does well. By the way, everyone funny. at the airport looks like Bert Greischer. I realize it's these big dudes with hats. Where's Kid 18? I'm like, hey, Bert. Hey, Bert. Everyone's Bert. He then did two bears. You did, 
You did I Bird's did, podcast, right? I did the uh, half a cave and a kind of bear guy or something. I did one no, igloo. I, and... I was in Tom Segura's seat, I guess. Ooh. So I did two hours with uh, Kreischer. Jesus, Jesus Kreischer, Carvey. That is good for a dentist, Kreischer. Yeah. Jesus Kreischer. Tom Segura. Is... Forget about Bert. This Tom is Tom. Segura. Well, let's just, just state some facts. The guy is a great stand-up. Yep, great stand-up. Check him out on Netflix. Great podcast. Got in early. Does it with his lovely wife, Christine. And they have a big one called uh, Your Mother's House. Right? Early adopter. was getting. We're going to break this down in this. You're going to listen shortly. Yeah. You're going to uh, shut up and listen. Shut up and listen. But uh, we're going to break down where, how he figured out the podcasting thing. And the or what do you call it? You know, the knots are like 2000, 2010. What is 2010 to th 2020? What do you Those call are the that? Those teens, I think. That's the teens? What if it's 12? <laughs> you fucked me, man. <laughs> I don't know. Were you saying something? I don't know. Were you? Were you, were you well, you... it was like 2012 or, or, or 13. He was really getting into podcasting. Yes. And he's a scientist about how it influences your draw on the road. And we break all that down. Oh, we he's, break down he's on a, a worldwide tour called uh, I'm Coming Everywhere, which is a funny title. And he rakes in cash. Tour, <laughs> podcast. He tours around the world, yeah. Tom Segura. Still some more money in the gutters. <laughs> yeah. And then there's uh, stuff in a trash can. Get the lid off. <laughs> Kick the can. <laughs> yeah. It's clean out the leaf bag. The as fucking... long as you say what you're doing, it's a perfect It's sound. all funny noises. Have you seen my character sound effecty? Guy. Gets Go. in a car. <laughs> Adjusts the mirror. <laughs> Puts it in gear. Gets a clown <laughs> horn. <laughs> Gets a clown horn. It's like. <laughs> anyway. So Tom Segura. Tom check Segura him out. is our guest. And uh, we had fun with him. He's really funny, fun, super smart. And he'll say just dry things. He's very like how Burt Kreischer is, is loud and he's such a mm. big presence. Mm. And Tom is the calm one. So mm. they're uh, fun together. And we've gotten them both. Mm-hmm. We just go quietly <laughs> until the podcast starts. Um, Start it. Um, it's only an hour. You still have the rest of your I know, day. What the fuck? It's only an hour. It's, it's like a, it's hour. like a ripoff. <laughs> I don't know why when we execute prisoners, it doesn't go well half the time and they come back alive. They and stuff. don't and have it wired. Can you choose to be exploded or just hit in the head with a sledgehammer or Mike Tyson with a free punch? That's how I want to go out. That's it. Yeah. That's a great idea. And I don't that think is. they really give you choices anymore. And they should. You should be able to say. You should pick from 100 things. How would you want to go out? Well, first I would wow. want to just chug a quart of vodka probably. I mean, I'd want to get really anesthetized. I've had operations where I'm coming to on morphine and they could have just chopped me in half. I couldn't care less. So I'd get vodka, morphine. Yeah. And then I would try to run a uh, hundred miles in the desert. Oh, Jesus. okay. So yeah. like you'd want to accomplish something. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't have lofty goals anymore. I don't know. What about you, Tom or David? What about, what do you guys got? I mean, the feel good podcast of the year. <laughs> I'd like to see like, if I could, <laughs> like really take a stab at you know like how like how how many does it take like woodsy of the owl when on the pop commercial mm -hmm. how many does it take till you go all right enough yeah, huh. yeah. Huh. what if it was like somebody just throw i've always wanted to see some 
so like push a safe off of a ledge onto somebody. Oh, yeah. So, you know, do it to me. I'd like Tony Robbins to push my head into that cold plunge pool he has and just hold me under, you know, but With doing a me a favor, doing me a favor. Cause that guy's got meaty yeah. mitts. He does. Uh, <laughs> this is one of our most interesting startings. Um, but Tom Segura, Dana, is Tom Segura, an yeah. American hero. He, um, mm. I mean, I don't think you've heard he, that. He, he, what did he do? He created a comedy empire outside the traditional system of Johnny yeah. Carson and Saturday Night Live. He, he's here right now, Tom. And he created a comedy empire leveraging this new technology. And it's, it's brilliant. And his specials are amazing, I have to say. I heard a lot of your good stuff today. <laughs> Thank you. Don't forget, I also I hosted SNL twice, but keep going. You did? That was back in the when they weren't filming it? That's funny, because we get a Tom Segura guest prep. They would tell us that. Have they asked you to host recently, um, Tom? Uh, negative. <laughs> That's kind of strange, because you've reached critical mass where they would think, hmm, check the numbers. <laughs> well, you have to be on the radar, because listen, First of all, with SNL, you grew up, you did grow up. And when you were growing up, did you watch SNL? Most people did. So much. And what was your chunk that you were into the most? Chunk of Let's, casting. When, when you were 12 or 14 in what year? Like 19. I mean, Dana is the yes. fucking goat for sure. Yes. Yeah, you're the greatest. Tom, I'm blushing if I could. You are. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I was, um, of course, uh, I was absolutely obsessed. I never missed it. And, and for that time period, you know, so I was, mm -hmm. uh, what, I was born in 79. You know, when you get into the early 90s, late mm -hmm. 80s, early 90s, mm -hmm. that there's probably like a, there's probably a six year window there where I don't miss a single episode i think you know that's um like that was what we did i mean i told david when we podcasted it was like we would watch snl and then it's like monday morning you just go in and just repeat the lines just do impressions. <laughs> that's, that's all we would do i mean you know just like all all the impressions and you are you're a fucking chameleon i mean you were amazing uh uh dana thank you Thank you. I know that David was there. No, Lauren did say, David, I want you to be an extra. By the way, the funniest thing about Lauren is saying, I brought you in as a backup for Dana, knowing he was leaving. And I'm like, I don't even do what Dana does. No one does. Like, just because I have blonde hair, it's like, I, I do a whole <laughs> different thing. But Dana was so good and so fun to watch that it made it impossible for someone like me to even contemplate going on SNL because- that is a Dana's like the quintessential SNL person. Funny, scores, goes into sketches, disappears, and right. any characters in the well, news, you play them. And uh, it's so versatile. And like you could do, like you could have a standout, like the lead character, or like he said, you could walk through a scene and deliver a line. Mm -hmm. And I think that would probably be for like and when I imagine, I always imagine what it's like not to host, but to be a cast member, because uh, it's like obviously. That's not a thing that'll ever happen, but like you imagine it and I go, man, that would intimidate the shit out of me to be in a cast with you. <laughs> I think I would be like, fuck, because you, you, you're you so good at all of it that I would just be like, I don't, I don't know what I do here. Well, it surprised me too, just quickly. I be, I I did not have an enormous amount of confidence when I was Really? Cast. And it was a little bit like, okay, I guess I got it. I felt a little sick to my stomach, but as I went forward, 
when I was trying to do stand up as a sketch player without really great material, but just riffing characters, sometimes that was kind of difficult. But as I got it forward on SNL, I got more confidence. And that getting confidence is a magical feeling <laughs> at whatever you're doing. Going back to our guest Tom. No, it's like when, when did you when did you turn like you're you you start doing stand-up and you're going along and then at one point you you kind of leap forward. Was it confidence, work ethic, or just time? I mean, how soon would you're going? I'm pretty much consistently can do an hour and pretty much consistently an levitate hour. the room. Well, or even the when you felt confident, like I'm gonna one of the first times, okay, I'm gonna do this. I was a definitely a relentless um, worker as a, as a standup. So once I, you know, once I understood how the system worked, I was like, Oh, like they let you MC. I was like, you know, I, I just wanted to feature, right. Just wanted to be like the middle act. And I took every single offer all over the country to, to middle everywhere. And then when I cracked headlining, I just, I just kept doing it so aggressively. Like I, we just worked, 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 worked. Like we, I, I never took, I hated having a week off. So I, I, you know, I mean, not like anybody enjoys that, but I'm saying it, it was just like a relentless pursuit of it. And then you kind of feel like, yeah, there's a thing where you go like, oh, I'm proficient at this. I, I know how to do this, but you realize it doesn't matter um, if people don't know, like people would come to the shows and have a good time, but you're like, man, this thing's not going to change unless people buy tickets, you know, to see you. Yeah. It's like, you're just coming, you're just there because they're coming to a comedy club in general. Exactly. But you need them to switch and go, I, cause they used to have mailing lists and stuff. And maybe you did that. Oh, I, I did. Um, you know, we call it, obviously they call it papering the room. It's like they, the club goes, Hey, we're at the, you know, this is the Omaha funny bone at the mall. And they just reach out to their list and they go, here's the act this week. And people go, who's that? And they go, well, it's a free ticket. And that's what I did. I just did those for years and years and, mm -hmm. and did those over and over and over. But you get to the point where you're mm -hmm. like, hey, I feel like I could sell a ticket if people knew who, who I was. Mm -hmm. But you, the only thing that was doing that at the time was just specials. You have to get like a special out. And that's that, that became just my goal was to get an hour special out. and then. When it did come out, it did uh, change things for me. First one changed things? Yeah, well, the half hour did. That's the funny thing is, I remember the producer uh, in comedy, at Comedy Central. I'm in New York and we're shooting uh, Comedy Central Presents, which was like, I thought, I mean, a huge goal, right? Because every mm -hmm. comic that I looked up to had mm -hmm. a Presents. And I shot it and it went well. And I remember the producer pulling me aside going, this is going to change your road work. And I was like, really? And I got so excited, but I I tried to keep it inside. I was <laughs> like, oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, God. And it came out. And when it came out, you know, I saw, <laughs> I saw like some stuff on social media or whatever. And then I was like, well, what's about to happen? And I called my agent and I was like, hey, I want to work this club. And he's like, okay. And he called and he goes, yeah, they said no. And I go, yeah. but I, I have a Comedy Central Presents. But I did a Game Changer. They don't they don't care. <laughs> Everyone says Game Changer. My agents every year used to go, this is going to be your year. And I go, you fucking liar. Yeah. <laughs> you say that every year and it gets me, actually, I believe it. I go, yeah. this one? And they're like, yeah. I go, like, they know something. I go, they just say that to shut you up. And I'm like, 
Oh my God. Well, what should I do to prepare? And then that's what you were doing is like, I got to presents under my belt. That's funny when people go, you do a premium brand blend, you do a presents, you know, that's the lingo. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> and I really thought like, this is going to be a, a real thing for me. Like this is going to make things different. You know, I really did. I agree. And I mean, do you think that's your famous? You go, I will be famous starting tomorrow. Did you, from that first half hour, did you feel like, um, I'll just get better? Or, or did you, did you work even harder or how did, did you keep improving from that point? Cause the writing I'm seeing now is, is so, you know, as good as it gets, it's a bit your landing, um, and the acting you're doing in it. I mean, when did that come up? Was it sort of the first one that went on Netflix or something? Did you make leaps even, or was it just exposure? You were already completely. I think I always, I think I always stay, you know, it's funny. You, you're around, you're around comedians, obviously all the time, right. As a comic and you see, you, you realize what a disease, the, um, the bitterness (laughs) of these guys. Yeah. Never hang out with comedians. I hate you guys. Yeah. It's like, they're, they're just, but they're just like (laughs) miserable about they're like, Shit just never worked. And, and I, I, I always tried to stay away from those like that, or at least I, I, you can't stay away from it, but you go, I don't want to embrace that. Yeah. And so I told myself that I was like, well, if this didn't change things like the way that I go, it's the next thing. And the next thing, the next step up would be the full hour. So I was like, I need to do an hour special, yeah. which again became like my, my sole goal. And, uh, and I only cared about being on Comedy Central because that's that was the spot. I was like, it was 2013. I was like, it's got to be Comedy Central. And we wow. invited Comedy Central to see it. And they said, they literally said, what's, they said, well, there's not really a theme. That was the feedback I got. Oh, really? I mean, I told my manager at the time, I was like, I think the theme is jokes. You know, Tom, I'm more like that too. I, I, I look at some people's act and I go, when they do a whole special about something, I'm baffled. Yeah. I can't, I can't even come up with jokes about just it, when you have the whole playing field, you can do a joke about anything in the world. And then when no. they go, I'm going to do them about just about my divorce, the whole thing. And you go, the whole thing. Holy shit. And I still can't, my whole, my, all my hours are like bit about this bit about yeah. that bit. Of, I mean, it's never like, here's the cohesive. Yeah. So we still, we ended up shooting it on spec. And we still sent it to Comedy Central. Oh, I love it. Because they only seen like a version of it at a club. And I go, right. here's the finished product. And they said no again. Would you like to learn a new language? We. Oui. <laughs> See what we? I did? Oh. No, I said we oui, like French. Oh, okay. We, 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 we. I have ever since I've seen Pepe Le Pew and his way with women, I thought, I want to learn a new language. You know what? I, I do have a, because uh, I'm, a, I, I do voices and stuff. I do like yeah. the sound of, of, of French language. Yeah, you're good at faking a language. I just do gibberish, but I want to actually learn. And that's, mm-hmm. I'm going to introduce you in the world to Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Yes, I've heard about this and talked about it for a long time. It's the trusted expert for 30 years. They have millions of users, 25 languages offered. So I think that pretty much covers the globe. You've got your Spanish, your French, Mm -hmm. you were just talking about, Korean, Dutch, Arabic. 
Shot Fast language acquisition. It, 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 there's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. That's the hard part, I think. That's it, and it's an intuitive process. You pick mm -hmm. up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's all designed for long-term retention, which is great, because I took Spanish for 12 years, and all I know is how to find a library. Yes, Donde, I know. Donde la biblioteca. So this one, really, really, you retain it. I learned German, and I know Hastu Zweister now Abra. No, Hastu Bruder now nine Abra Cabras Zweister. That means have. Do you have a brother? No, I have, but I have three sisters. I took German for seven years, and all I remember is Gesundheit. <laughs> what does that mean? That means bless you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> someone sneezes. Gesundheit. Rosetta Stone, that's not going to happen. Another thing I love is they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. That's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Very important to being understood in a foreign country is to do it in kind of the rhythm of the way that language is speak. Right. You don't, you don't look like some clown. Desktop and <laughs> app options, audio companion, ability to download lessons offline. By mm -hmm. the way, the Lifetime membership has all 25 languages. For any and all trips and language needs in your life, that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. What are we waiting for? It's a steal. What is going on? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time. Fly on the Wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Oh, yeah. Visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50. That's like the highest I've heard of. 50% mm -hmm. off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. Wow. So how does Tom Segura, because I, like I like to use the name in that context, how do you deal with that, that kind of rejection? Are you bummed out for a week? or Because I auditioned for SNL once, and I, was, I followed Kennison at the store and it was a death trap and a death set. And I was kind of, I wouldn't say clinically depressed. I, would, I wouldn't label myself as depressed, but I was really- <laughs> He was so good. I was bummed out for a couple months, just at, at, at that. So when you hear no, that two, now it's two times in a row. How, are you pretty resilient? Obviously, you wouldn't be here. Um, do you take a knee for a day? I mean, you have a couple of beers. I mean, what do you, what do you, how do you process it? I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll show those motherfuckers might be a good way to go. I'm definitely bummed. I'm definitely, you know, in the moment, a little bitter. I'm definitely like, this is such fucking bullshit. I'm looking at the um, the ones that they did choose. And I'm like, you took you took this piece of shit. Oh, yeah, I've done. <laughs> there you that. go. You look like De Niro for a second. You took oh. this piece of shit. Fucking piece of shit. <laughs> um, That's your hilarious theme act you love so much. Also, like, what's the theme of this fucking dog shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the theme is dog shit. Okay. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then I actually got, you know, it's I've I've said it before, but like <laughs> the same call where I get the no the the news that they're passing. I'm just on the phone. I pulled over. I was like out in La Cienega and I pulled over and I was like, okay, I'm just listening. He goes, and then he, he goes, by the way, uh, we sent it to HBO and I go, seriously? And he goes, yeah, they said no too. And I'm like, 
Okay. Why would you even tell me this? I, I and then he's like, uh, send it to Showtime. They said no. No, across the board. I'm like, cool. And then he goes, but um Netflix. And it's and in 2013, it's like it's it's a thing, but it's not it's like, like the hot place to be. Yeah. Yeah. House of Cards had was around that time or just maybe not. Maybe. Because that that was a big sea change. House of Cards, they're doing Kevin Spacey's going on Netflix? You were right at the edge of it, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's close, but I don't think it's out yet. And then he's like, no, like they're getting a lot of subscribers now. And I'm like, great. <laughs> That's how the phone call ends. I go, all right, well, thanks. And I'm just kind of bummed out, but I go, what can I do? And what I can do is literally go back to work. So I just like go back on the road and I just act like, I guess I got to just come up with a new hour and try this again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That is probably six months before. Well, wait, you, but you got the, the news that Netflix wanted your horrible hour. Yeah. And uh, they go, they're into bad comedy right now. This is our window. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't give it to them? No, I do. Oh, you, you do. do. Okay. okay. So like, fine. It's- It'll come out, you know, later. Sure. I'm like, whatever. And I just completely just move on. You did the opposite. You didn't bank everything on it. You just said, fuck it. Good. Throw it out. It's going to die on Netflix, yeah, Flex, yeah, yeah. Flix, whatever it's called. It's going to I die. thought it would definitely do less for me than the presents. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then I just, it came out and I remember when it came out, like, you know, like, again, you see some tweets and like people, a couple of people said that, you know, like, I stopped me. Hey, I saw, I was like, great. And um, great. Fuck you. I didn't think anything of it. And then like three months later, I remember I did a, uh, I did the Cleveland improv and uh, the guy, the manager comes up to me at the end of the week. He goes, I don't know why the fuck this happened, but you sold some tickets this weekend. Wow. That gave me the, that gave me the chills though. I mean, the fact that you're suddenly valuable in some way, that's a rush. That's a lifelong goal that you're like, Wait, that sentence. Oh, yeah. You're selling a shit ton of tickets when that starts to happen. It's like, and here's the thing. Here's how fucking removed from the correlation of the two. I I was like, wait, why? He's like, no, I don't know. why. (laughs) (laughs) And he's shocked. That's how he doesn't think you're that good. I'm stunned, man. (laughs) He like sends me the breakdown. He's like, look at this shit. And I'm like, what is that? He goes, well, you hit some bonuses, but he goes, I don't know, man. And then he just like <laughs> walked away. And I just thought, well, that was a good weekend. And I still wasn't like, oh, the special's working, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next few months, it started to happen more and more and more. And then it became a thing where it was like, hey, you sold out this weekend. Like the whole weekend sold out. That was probably after like six months. Wow. It took that long to seep, right? Yes. Yes. Mm. Wow. And that was the one called Completely Normal, 2014. Yeah, we shot it in 13, it came out at 14. And then mm-hmm. by 15, I was just doing, uh, well, by the end of 14, I was selling out clubs. And then in 15, I was doing like rock clubs and, you know, like one-nighters in like small theaters or just like, I could like add, a, I could go to like a club on a Monday and just, they'd give me the door. And I would just, you know, I started to work like that. like Casinos too, right? Man. Casinos are where it's at, yeah. Casinos pay more, but sometimes yeah. the audience can be a little, a little tough. This is a crazy inside baseball thing, but there are casinos and this is really crazy when you actually just do the finance, like the the numbers on this. Mm-hmm. There are a number of casinos that will pay well over the gross 
of the show. And when you think of that, you're like, wait, what? The show is grossing X amount and they're going to pay you over that. And then you realize, well, there's a there's a calculation that they do. Mm-hmm. They're like, if this many people come to the casino, we don't even care that we're parting with this because these people are going to get rooms, gamble, yeah. drink, eat. And you're like, the way that it becomes a little like ecosystem sure. yes. of an economy on, on <clears throat> in a night, is it's really fascinating. Playing the Desert Inn in Vegas, which was an incredible room. Now it's the wind. It was blowing up. 600 seats, low ceiling. I go down for the sound check and they got a Goomba type manager there. And I go, how are hey. the ticket sales? How are the ticket sales? And this is a quote. Mark Pitta was there, my <laughs> opener. He goes, what do I give a shit? I got Indonesians dropping 10 Lodge upstairs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. Indonesians I mean- dropping 10 large. But yeah, and they do the analytics. They told me they'll see what carrot top numbers are or like how much money is dropped in the casino that on night. your night. Yeah. On your does your audience go out and then does spend your some audience money? drink? Does your audience does your audience get drunk and do, leverage their house? Do our high kind of rollers stuff? ask for your tickets? Because you can mm-hmm. see the front row and a lot of times when you do Vegas or in these places, casinos. The front row is sparse or it's choppy because people go, give me tickets to everything. I'm a high roller. And they go, you got two tickets up front. If you want them, you got this, this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they walk in like Meghan Markle in the middle of your set if they want. But sometimes they go, nah, we, re-, you know, no, I think it's, what it's the calculation scary. is, they just need to get them. And the showroom's always in the very farthest corner of the casino. So they have to walk by and they calculate. They probably spend $22 on slots on the way out of boredom. They walk by our restaurants. They probably eat at one. Now they're aware of our casino because Tom Segura isn't, they've never come here. But because we're mixing up our acts, they go, oh, I'll go see him. And then they go, oh, I've never been to this casino. I'll come back. So they, they got to get him in somehow. They don't even want you to do your act. Yeah. They're just like, the- get him in, touch base, and go back out. <laughs> I just had this happen at a casino. This is wild. I'm backstage and it's a big room. It's a 6,000 seat room. So wow. basically, uh, it's a what they consider a half arena, right? Yeah. Okay. That type of shell design. Mm-hmm. Big, yeah. Yeah. Big room. And there's um and in those types of rooms, the way that it's laid out, it's kind of hard. You can't really peek out. They have huge, you know, scaffolding and, and curtains everywhere. But I hear Kirk Fox, who's on stage. Mm-hmm. And I hear him at one point go, wow. Hey man. He goes, Hey, hey, man. You, you, you gotta calm down, okay? And it's not like, I'm like, this is definitely some shit. If Kirk is saying that, he's pretty chill. Great stuff. Yeah, he's pretty chill. Yeah. And he's like, it's, he's so funny. And um, so I, it, it makes my ear, you know, it, it catches my ear. So I turn and I'm like, what's going on? So I, I try to see, but I can't really see. I just see Kirk up there on the stage. And then, you know, a few minutes pass and he goes, hey, hey man. Hey, dude, I'm telling you, you I, I want you to stay, <laughs> but you got to calm down. And so then mm. I'm back, I'm backstage and I got like at these, you know, at these big casinos, there's like 200 security staff. Like it's a mm. lot of security, right? So I, they start coming around. I hear they're all on their walkies and their earpieces and they're, so I'm like, what is happening? And they're like, well, there's, there's this guy in the front row and I'm like, what's going to mm. happen? What are we going to, what's going to, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. And they go, well, we think it's going to be too disruptive to remove him during Kirk's set. So what we're going to do is, because he's like getting through it, he's almost done. When he gets off stage 
and you're going about to go on stage, that's when we'll remove him. And I go, hey man, it's it's your like your security. Wow. Do do whatever you want. I just I just want to know what's going on. <laughs> and they're like, that's what we're gonna do. I go, okay, great. Kirk finishes his say, he says goodnight. He walks off stage. They start playing a song, and that's like my cue that I have like ten seconds, and then I walk on stage. So I walk on stage, and as I walk on stage, I grab the mic, and I see like eight, nine yellow security shirts, you know, big black mm. letters on it, all gathered around this dude <laughs> oh. in the front row. Oh, God. So I'm just, you know, how's everybody doing? I'm still like, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> and I grab the mic and I'm like, hey, and I, I, I can't even get out the first sentence. And this becomes mayhem, right? So like they are holding this guy and I see his head pop out from under like a choco and he goes, Tom. Tom. Oh my God. Yeah. He goes, I came to see you. And I go, oh. what do you mean to do? And he goes, help me. Oh my God. <laughs> help me. I go, I think it's beyond my control now. <laughs> they start to pull him and dude, it's taking like six, seven guys. His girl pops up and she fucking punches one of the, one Bouncer. of the security guys. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm sitting here from the stage. I haven't started talking yet everyone's mm. watching and you you're all just watching yeah and there's the jumbotron <laughs> watching you watch yeah. and i'm just like you gotta be kidding me she turns and starts yelling at me too i go what do you want me to do she takes her beer throws it on one of the security guys <laughs> smart the guys start dragging the guy out and when they drag him out he takes them into an aisle so he he drags security guys into an aisle i see shoes come off pants come off they finally get him stood up underwears off he's fully naked in the <laughs> arena now right it's conor mcgregor i'm like oh my god <laughs> this guy's like uh i would say maybe five nine 265 270 pounds okay so looks good with his clothes off looks great it's a <laughs> nice shot i'm able to put like the show back on the tracks I finally get off stage and I'm like, I'm like, dude, that was the fucking wildest opening to a show I've ever had. And they go, yeah, you know, the cops here, that guy's in jail, blah, blah, blah. Like half an hour later, we're walking through the casino. There's the guy. No, there's the guy. In his, and I'm like, how is he Tom, walking around? You betrayed me. He doesn't see me. But when he walks by, we're all like, that's the guy. Ah. And we talked to one of the security people, high roller. He's a front row high roller. Whale. Yeah, he's a whale. They're like, yeah. Oh. I go, this dude, this dude like knocked one of your <laughs> And then what they get away with, unreal. They're like, yeah, 10 grand a hand, dude. It's fine. It's totally yeah. fine. Willing to look the other way. So how did you, I, how long did it take you to feel like you're doing your set then after he goes out naked and they're screaming and fighting? Did you go into your set or you do like old club stuff where you kind of do all quasi crowd work? You know, the funny thing is it's always less time than you think. Like in your head, you're like, that was 10 minutes. It's really mm -hmm. like three, but three minutes of talking about something that's happening in the room is a long time. And it's not jokes and you're in uncharted territory. You don't know if it's funny and you want to just start going, anyway, dogs are funny. And everyone goes, oh. We're back in the act. <laughs> did you did you get an angle on it, Tom? Because you're experienced. Because a lot of times I would intuitively go from that guy's point of view. Let's go to the show tonight. It's going to be great. Or or just find an angle 
uh, about it, you know? Yeah, I, I was making commentary about it. I was asking, you know, when I, I was asking, like, I would see big muscular dudes like, you know, where were you? We needed you like a yeah. moment yeah. ago. Okay, there you go. Anytime that I would say something in the act that referenced like somebody who is um, out of their mind. Yeah drunk or drunk you know i'd make reference to the guy he was like he was like a yeah. callback thing oh a call built-in callback is nice i would yeah. also tell the people how i would uh, i would reference other popular comedians and how they would not have gotten that at one of their shows you know i was like <laughs> oh that's your crowd and that every every night you have some naked guy fighting security <laughs> guards it's not a thing i was like you think you're gonna get this at a sebastian show you know what's good dana do you ever do this one where you go these guys that work their jokes in they go uh uh, like they go, where are you from? And the guy goes, he wants to hear Cleveland. And he goes, Cincinnati. He goes, this guy last night was from Cleveland. And he said, and you go, was it always last night? And I go, I see the guy seven nights in a row say it. I go, oh, that's just part of his act. If they're not, if it's not what he wants to hear, or you could go, this guy last night started some shit in the front row. And then you say that for three years. Everything's last night. Or what is the town that you mentioned that'll get a big reaction? Like I, I was in, you know, Bucks County and, you know, whatever town, away that that just gets a huge laugh in, in fresno it was uh merced i think or you know it's just you have to be a, a reliable person dana they give you the wrong one and it bombs yeah uh, <laughs> oh just like, to fuck with you <laughs> it's like at a corporate gig when they go make fun of the crowd and then the guy goes i i know everybody here you know what's funny talk about our uh vp of sales he has three balls and beats his wife say something about that and i go uh Oh, I don't know. And then you say something and everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and the guy's like, isn't that hilarious? And you're like, no. Jim has MS, but he's got a sense <laughs> of humor about it. He really laughs about it. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I remember Jay Leno telling me he was doing a corporate date and he's just making fun of some couple. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, they hook up when they're on the road, this and that. And then the woman was next to the guy and she she's got up and screamed and cried and ran out. You know, it's just like <laughs> you don't know what what you're you're touching. Tom, when you were doing this with the Dana, I'm sorry, I have to go back. You the the one the information you didn't have, which might have helped, is what went on for so long. Was he pushing people? Was he yelling? I got, I, I found out. I found out. So I, when I, when all the shit finally came, I was like, Kirk, what was happening? He was like, right. dude, he, and this is one of, this is one of the worst things people think about, you know, about heckling and stuff. He was repeating everything that Kirk said mm -hmm. back to Kirk, but mm -hmm. he's in the front row and loudly. Uh -huh. So like, you know, Kirk would be like, and then, you know, I rode the bus. He'd be like, you rode the bus. Ha <laughs> ha. The bus. Oh, like, yeah. so he was just like, hey, man, like, you just got to relax. I just had that at the comedy store. The guy, I don't even know if something was up with him, but he looked like he was in a great time. And he just kept saying my punchline after to the people around him. It's the worst. But everyone hears mm -hmm. it and it stops my next setup. And I'm like, I, I go, hey, man, you know, I try to be nice. And when they kicked him out, he was the same thing. He's like, David, Tom wouldn't help me, but would you? Would you? <laughs> God. But he did say, hey, man, he looks up to me, and that's the weirdest feeling. I'm like, I can't. I have to let you go now. <laughs> I had a guy on the balcony scream. Like, I don't even know what's going on. It's a balcony. It's a melee now. Theater. This is a different show. Mm -hmm. So I'm just on stage, and he just starts to yell, they're throwing out the wrong guy. 
right? He, oh. And I'm like, what? He's like, they're throwing out the wrong guy. <laughs> wow. And I go, is- I don't know. It, it sounds like the right guy to me. <laughs> like all of it too is all always related to just booze. They're always just drunk. Yeah. Yeah. That guy uh, in the front row was drunk. This guy's drunk. Yeah. yeah. It's always alcohol. I sometimes will get, because a church lady, just someone in the back about every 10 seconds just going, lady. <laughs> throughout my set lady so gross yeah <laughs> that's why we love stand-up when you well, have the a hot is when they start dana they start yelling at each other and it's pure chaos mm-hmm. this guy's like hey shut the fuck up and he goes fuck you yeah and i go yeah i love I go, when, when the when, audience is heckling each other this is fucking amazing or that you look over and they're standing at the edge of the stage a drunk guy six foot five is just standing there he's on the stage with you now do you hold your ground? We ask me, and do you hold your ground? I don't. I said, you got it. Go ahead. Some people, if they have a guitar, they'll fight what, or yeah. try to fight for the stage. If someone storms it, I leave, but you're pretty, you look pretty like you could handle yourself physically, Tom. You probably could fight a heckler. I don't know. It depends on the, if, you, if he's 6'5". Um, <laughs> All right, make him 5'10". Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm taking the mic stand and swinging it at him for sure. Yeah, let's go, man. Looking to save on delivery? DashPass from DoorDash is your door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. DashPass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, grocery from across town, or anything in between, DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for Dash Pass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, mm-hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, yeah, figure, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. I hate to say it. Price yeah. matters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase. You source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David. And find jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality standards. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right. And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman or, <laughs> or, bring out, or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David? They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want, they can fit in your budget. Yes. It's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone. 
because, um, you know, it's it's a subjective thing and the, you'll be guided with the, this company is going to help you make the right choice. You right. give them a little information and they'll go. Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah, we're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant and it's like <laughs> they're flipping hotcakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. Yeah, no thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm -hmm. just in case you got 30-day returns. Mm -hmm. Shop Blue Nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler. Go to BlueNile.com today. That's BlueNile.com. So what I'm curious about, to pivot for a second if you guys want, is that... Fairly recently, because I've been at this a long time, you just started to make some money, real money. You're stacking money in the bank. You're, you get, you know, it's it's happening, right? You're making real money. It's Fort Knox and, over there. And now it's just only six, seven years later, and you're you have at least probably fifty grand net in the bank right now. So easy, but anyway, you've gotten incredibly uh, successful in such a short period of time outside the systems. Uh, I don't have a question. It's just an observation. It's just an extraordinary story that we hear about as comedians. Tom's doing this. Tom did that. Tom did a live stream. Tom, you know, Tom, Tom. That's all Tom, I hear about. It's it's really fun. And Sebastian. And then there's Sebastian, too. There's just people Yeah, I hear doing, about him. Well, you're doing a lot of stuff. Now, Tom, my question is when you are doing, okay, so you do sort of maybe like a formula where we jumped off. You do a special. It looks like you did one, mostly stories for Netflix. And then they asked you for another one. And your first one obviously seeped in. So you go, yeah, I'll do another one. But now you have to come mm -hmm. up with a new hour, I guess. That's hard. So you do that. And now it's a system. Are you starting a podcast around now? Or did you have it? I started the podcast um, three years, um, almost three years before the first special. Oh, so, oh, okay. So 2010 or 11. Okay. Late 2010, back. I started the, the podcast. Okay. The cool thing about that was those definitely started to feed each other. Sure. Even if, you know, I don't know. I, I remember at one point, I think we had 20,000 listeners on the podcast, you know, spread out. That's not that many people. But if you're just trying to do like a one nighter somewhere and you're like, hey, I'm going to Chicago. And, you know, of those 20,000 people listening, you might have like a thousand in Chicago and you might be able to get 400 of them to come out. That is actually a big deal at that, at that point, because yeah. you're selling 400 tickets when people are like, how the, how the hell did you get 400 people to come out tonight? You know, mm -hmm. they're buying booze. It helps the club. It's oh yeah. That, that was a, a huge game changer then. And then when the special came out, and people go, hey, I like this guy, or like, you know, I like your your special. What else do you have? And you know, they discovered the podcast. You know, some of them like it, some of them don't. But you're definitely bringing in a new audience of people. So those have continued every special and every year of the podcast. They've continued to grow and they feed each other. They feed each other, and um, and now there's just tremendous amounts of money. Yeah. Well. We're rich too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I mean, I grew up incredibly middle class, barely. David, I, his nickname is Silver Spoon. It was always easy. My parents were both strippers. I made money. I got paid in ones. 
uh, I slept on a bed with covered in ones every night. My mom would throw them out at me and my dad. Um, Tom, <laughs> uh, you will get to this other stuff too. I have a lot of personal questions I have to ask you off camera. You had a good year, Spade. Don't don't lie. <clears throat> no, I'm fine. Well, I did my I did an HBO special years ago, and that really didn't affect stand up because I wasn't doing it much. I was on just shoot me and stuff. But I wasn't out that much, you know, so I do the improv in Irvine or San Diego or something, which is great. But I wasn't really making a lot of money in stand-up. And so I didn't really capitalize off it other than it made me more known in some way, you know. I noticed with Tom on uh, the disgraceful one where the audience gave you a standing ovation, that was the 2018. That seemed to be another giant leap. Yeah, that propelled uh, the next tour to... Each tour has gone like another level. I mean, the current tour was uh, was a is a was a huge leap from the 2019 tour. I looked at it. I it, it's kind of unfavorable. Uh, I'm coming what, everywhere. What yeah, uh, all over the world. And but the, you know, I think going for my own head, the the theme idea. You, you know, you are the message. You know, your likability and relatability, and you can. It's you can see where the audience go. That that's our guy, you know, because you're going into territory where you're working completely clean, and then you'll also just surprise everybody and go wherever you want to go, and then you'll you'll make it okay. It's it's I I get your popularity. I've spent a day watching all your stuff. So oh I, thanks. I under I understand it. You are politically incorrect, which I think, and 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 some of your stuff, which. Is a blessing, but don't, you don't lean on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I don't know. There's this thing. I'm, I'm sure you, it's not anything new, but I just always tried to. I remember people saying early on, they're like, "Just the thing you have to do is say things that make you laugh. Like, don't go. Yeah. I may. I want. I wonder if people will like this, and I'll say it. Like, I try to stick to like genuinely this point of view makes me laugh. This story mm -hmm. makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. If I think something is. Uh, I'm talking about like a, a a a societal norm is worth worthy of mockery than like oh I go for it. I go I'm gonna I think mm. I, I I feel like mocking this so then I I just do that but I'm not doing it because I hope this audience likes it and this one won't I just I try to stay honest to what makes yeah. me laugh and also when you walk out there and your whole physical demeanor and you're you're so relaxed I mean even next level and so comfortable. It's a living room. So if something doesn't land, you kind of smile like drowning the dog. You know, it's not yeah. about, you'd have to, for people who are listening right now, it's a long story about loving his kid more than yeah. an animal. But, and then the way you, you, you just went places people don't expect. And so that's the antithesis of boredom. You, you don't know what Tom Segura is going to do. And you can't see it coming. You don't want an act where you can see it coming and you go, and then he's going to say this and then that. But that is a hard thing to do, but it doesn't, it, like Dane was saying, you're out of the box a bit. So you're sort of underground, but famous. And then, uh, and you make a ton of money more than most people that people are know of that are, you know, household names and you've done it on your own, on your own terms. And also, I don't think you are as worried about getting canceled because what are they canceling you from? You're your own boss, your own podcast. What am I going to get not hired to do. <laughs> yeah, you're you're your your own show. You have 54 podcasts. You have Dana, you know his tour is called I'm Coming Everywhere. It's funny, <laughs> funniest name. Um uh, I heard you talking about that and I heard you talking about taking a private jet which which is uh, hard to talk about of course, but it is fun to talk about because you're right that 
in some of those instances, there's almost no way to get to where you got to go without. There, I mean, there. Here's uh, what I actually explained on a couple of podcasts was the fact that if you're touring as insanely as I, I'm talking about the logistically, yeah, I go. I don't have to charter a, a plane, but I go. I, what I would have to do is reduce this tour. Like there's there's there would be no way yeah. to go. Yeah. I'm doing Ottawa. And then Spokane, and then yeah. Eugene, and then Boise. Like I go, well, you just can't do that if you're flying commercially. So we would just change the tour. Sure. I mean, it's what you want to do. And if you can factor it in and you're making enough, it's fine. It's really just all a numbers game. And if you, on my tour, I don't do it as uh, uh, hitting the pavement as hard as you. But when I do it, and I have three nights in a row usually, if there's a connection involved, it's already a red flag because it's a red flag with no one coming yeah. to work lately, COVID canceled flights. You're like, I, and I don't like going the day before every show because that's such a production. Then you're there all night, then all day again. So decisions have to be made, but it's obviously private jets perk people's ears because it's one of those things that even if you're rich, it's out of your league. Like it's such, it's, it's such it's, an excess. It's such an indulgence. It is time travel. Like the, the thing that's crazy about it is you go, I can't believe the show ended and now we're in the next city and it's only been two hours. Like if it feels like yeah. you teleported, the thing about it is you go, you know, like I, you don't have to do it. It does make a, a tour like this possible. I will say this, you know, we don't do it like, every leg of this tour, every yeah, flight yeah. or anything, the times on this tour that we've done uh commercial travel, 90% of them have come with an issue, meaning like delays, cancellations. Mm -hmm. It's, it has. So every time we do it, we're like, Oh my God, it like, we're so much more appreciative of when we have been able to charter because it has, it has screwed up almost every leg of the, of travel that we've done with it. You know? Oh yeah. yeah, you you got to come in early then because you can't trust the uh, commercial. Yeah, and so you have a job to do. I I I heard that early on when Louis C.K. first did a Citation Ten, like okay, I got to do this, and so we do three dates. So the first date would just pay for the jet, yeah. and then do the next two dates. That's how different it is. It, it, and in terms of your health and wellness, when you're touring like you are, like more than two hundred dates a year. The multiple flights in the hotel, you could beat the shit out of yourself. Like it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it does. I mean, we do that travel, which obviously like makes it nicer. I bring a trainer with me, dude. I bring a trainer with me because it's trying to just keep your mental and physical health mm -hmm. going. Yeah. It's fucking so demanding. It's it, it just not, it's, it shouldn't be uh, allowable if you have the means to have a trainer and eat well and actually do the tour and end up not hurting your health. You know, it's people kind of ignore that, but why am I doing this if I'm going to end up coming back home and have gained all this weight and have migraines or whatever? So I'm glad to hear that you're pacing it that way. And I've done that, you know, like in my earlier years, my touring, which was at, not at this level, was me gaining 30 pounds in a year and yeah. feeling like shit all the time. Because you're eating at every airport and eating and, you know, and if you can control that. Plus, you know, the bottom line is, for me, I'm sure you guys too, you owe the audience a good show and you need to be present. It's harder than it seems to sit there and do your hour or over an hour or whatever and go, it's like a play. You have to remember all the connective tissue and all everything and it has to flow. And if you're out of it a little bit, sometimes you're missing beats and just 
off rhythm and uh, they pay the price. So they're paying a lot. They're coming out. They're getting babysitters. Mm-hmm. You're like, shit, I got to get there on time. I got to be ready. I got to look okay. And mm-hmm. uh, I think everyone feels that. So whatever it takes. Yeah, you got to try. You got to try, man. And I, I always like, you know, um, I don't know if you ever do this, but like you're backstage and maybe you're, you know, you're worn out. You're just dragging. You're like, man, it's a fucking seventh show this week and yeah fourth city and i'm like god <laughs> damn it and and i'll be on my phone and i'll pull up and this is like i guess the the upside to to seeing a social media thing i'll see things i'm tagged in and you see people in the audience mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then i see that and i'm like oh man they're like so pumped to be here and mm-hmm. it, it completely changes my my like my mental state before i go i'm like you know what these people are excited i need to get excited i need to like wake up and appreciate the fact that there's people here and like try to have a good show but yes, it's easy yes, to yes. fall into the other side you know yeah i think i call it the forget to have fun yeah problem and if you forget to have fun and you're out there and you're not it's not it's not feeling right and you go oh, i forgot to have fun do you have a go trick ahead. do you have a like i i used to like i i always say that um the best version of myself as a comedian and this is a very simple way of describing it but i think it's that when i walk on stage in a silly mood like me yes. feeling silly is the best version of stand up that i can be but what i forget sometimes is to remind myself of that and to like to to and i'll and i'll i'll sometimes i'll see an image and for me and my own memories it's for some reason it's seeing eddie murphy um, in his early days, like like yeah, in yeah. delirious and stuff, because yeah. I feel like that's a fun, silly guy. So like, if I see that image, yeah. I'll be like, oh, that guy's like having fun. He's out. He's he's having a good time. He's uh-huh. he's playful. Yes. So I always wonder like what other people do to switch into a different headspace. Do you ever do anything to like switch your headspace? Well, the minute I come out, I probably I probably make a fool of myself. But I put on Suspicious Minds normally by Elvis Presley, and that. It seems so absurd and doesn't make any sense, and I'm coming out to that. I try to get into the absurdity of what I'm doing up there, but um, the first laugh kind of gets me going, you know. But I've got in the olden days when you're first doing stand up, you're going, "God, I don't, I don't feel funny today. I don't feel very funny. You're very superstitious." And later on, you go, "You can be sick. You don't feel funny at all. You're just and then have your best show." So you get used to it, but yeah. Dane and I have a few questions about your podcast. You have a. Uh, your mom's house, correct? You have yes. uh, that's with your lovely wife. <laughs> with your lovely wife, yes, Christina P. And who I know, mm-hmm. and she's great. She was on Lights Out. Um, also, you have one with that guy. Who's that big guy? Bert Ooh. Um, oh, big guy. Oh, real heavy <laughs> guy. Flirt, flirt, hurt. Fleischer. Flirt was fun, and you He's met him great. years ago. And just, I mean, was that you already had your first podcast? Was that? going into doing a second one? Yes. You know, the, the funny thing was we talked about it and we threw it together and I thought we were, we, 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 we came up with the idea to do it twice a month. This was like, I was like, why don't we do this twice a month just for fun? Sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, you know, within a couple months, the feedback was like, people were so into it that we were like, all right, we got to do it every week. And now we, we do it every week. He has to fly here. I've flown to LA to do it. Oh, yeah. We, if we don't, if we can't get together, we each one of us will sit with a guest to do it, but it's mm-hmm. become a huge, huge podcast. And like, you know, companies approach us and want us to be like their partners and things. And it's just, it's literally just the two of us just shooting the shit 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mostly him just rambling incoherently about his mm-hmm. nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good team. I mean, when he had Sober October, we, we were, I saw that episode and, you know, it was just, it, 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 the, it, I think long term, if things are funny, it's great. Then also, you're kind of feeling a real thing happening between two friends. Like, and he's we're good, good friends. I mean, I got him. You know, we've been getting each other crazy birthday gifts for years now. I just got him uh, Hitler's uh, teacup, and um, I got him a bust made of himself. And and like, I you know, we always (laughs) I saw one of those in uh, Sky Mall. They have a lot of Hitler stuff. This one I had to go through a white supremacist. It was a lot of work. Can I ask you about the video aspect? So, you, did you always do it on video on YouTube, or did you ever do just an audio podcast? Audio only for the first. Let's see, 2010, 11, 12. Wow, thirteen. Um, and then we started to do video, just like we would put up like ten or fifteen minutes. I don't know what what that was. We did that in like twenty. 20- <laughs> 14 we were like oh here's 15 minutes of this yeah from the show and then we finally were like we need to we 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 set up sticks and we got uh that going and that eventually became a huge game changer having it on i mean you know having it on youtube is like a, a huge 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 did you get the same amount of audio listens and, and then you got the additional or was it even more audio listens it's evolved in different ways so like audio was obviously the only thing. And then you throw in video, you start getting views, but the audio is much bigger. And it was also still, from an advertising perspective, they're like, audio downloads are all that matters. When the video views started to go above a certain amount um, is when people were like, okay, we can't, like, we can't ignore the fact that there mm-hmm. are hundreds of thousands of views on this thing. It's like a TV show. They're like, mm-hmm. it's worth advertising on is what is yeah, what sure. it came down to. And then, yeah. you know, you had to convince some of the people were like, well, that's just the same people. And you're like, what are you talking? You think people are listening to episode and then going and watching a two hour thing? Like, what are you talking about? Or, and that, you know, they also would make the, the argument. Well, we don't know how many, like, you know, if you, if you listen to a song on YouTube, if you watch the video of a song, you might watch it six times. They're like, what if people are doing that on your podcast? And you're like, you think they're rewatching <laughs> this two and a half hour argument. podcast? <laughs> so I had, I would get in the shouting matches with advertising people about this, like actual shouting matches. And you do it. You. I was fucking yelling at these people. Yeah. And then like the year fucking changes and they go, uh, oh, hey, by the way, we wanted to n- inquire about advertising on the uh video portion i'm like yeah you mean the thing i've been talking to you about for two years and so that then became a thing that um is is highly valuable and you know you 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 just obviously you watch the bigger thing like you know you see like a a rogan show when he was on uh on youtube you're like look man there's 10 million people watching this you don't think that's Mm -hmm. worthy like those that's all those eyeballs man and yeah um i think now if you start a podcast you know and the clips go out Clips is a big thing. Clips is a huge thing. Uh, a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you think about it, your fan base is going to consume the whole thing. The uh, talking about the full like scope of people, most mm-hmm. of them want to see a bite-sized thing. Like in our world here, the uh, you know, we've had a number of clips go viral, but they're all they're the clips these like moments that, that blow up and, but it would not have happened without video. You know, video is what took it over. 
Hmm. Yeah. And then you go into your uh, ones I contacted you about when I heard that you were doing live shows. Such an interesting idea. And it was a huge success. And that was a, a pandemic was a smart move. And that was another game changer, right? Kind of saved my ass, dude. Like, I mean, you know, my main thing, I mean, obviously the podcast is a fixed thing and you go, okay, we have ads and and roughly we'll make this much. Yeah, mm-hmm. and everything associated with it. But you're like, you know, I'm a touring comedian. And then when when the pandemic hit and you're like, oh wait, there's there's none of this. Like this is completely <laughs> done. That was like, well, how do we do? And it, it was an experiment. My agent at um my touring agent was like, you should try this. He just he, I go, well, we have to figure out um an angle. So we we tried it and we we're like, all right, we'll do ten dollar tickets. Like it's a it's a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. And we'll show things that you can't show on YouTube and we'll shoot some sketches. So we add some value to the show. Why? Like, mm-hmm. That's the hard part, the value. Yeah. But then you go for $10. If if you do three or four sketches and you show some stuff, you can't see anywhere else. And you, you know, you, and you bring in a guest and we had a musical guest. You're like, all right, this is like, it is a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If this was a $10 ticket to walk into a venue, you'd be like, yeah, that's, that's worth it. And that thing went fucking bananas and so once we saw that i told the um because you know agents are always like let's make it twenty dollars i was like no yeah <laughs> well i go we keep it ten dollar tickets and we just try to move to or just try to do volume and we, mm-hmm. we started to do them like every six or eight weeks or something and um spending over a hundred grand producing the episode so it's I not see. like it's not just like oh Hey, wow. here's my friend. Yeah, we we yeah. we actually put money into making it a special event and and into production. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like the more MQLs the better over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a hundred dollar credit on your next ad campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be. To be. Rewind it back to the days of chill accent on the beach and all day fun with spring break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like fan fave rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prices could be huge. New players start playing with just five bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code FOTW to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. 
Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per opted in new customer. $5 wager required. Max. $100 in casino credits awarded, which require one time playthrough within 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash promos. Restrictions apply. Just for a second, Tom, because I'm curious about details. What, where was that? You have two studios. Where were you interviewing Tarantino? Because I love that interview which is was just recently on quentin tarantino is that your studio right there okay did you get to the part where he roasted me for not reading his book no <laughs> did, did he I like that i was impressed with your knowledge of pulp fiction i mean there was a lot of pulp fiction i really was like i, I was asking all the questions i want to ask quentin tarantino yeah and he's there going like i want to talk about this fucking book I yeah <laughs> and then at the end he's like hey uh what page oh, are you on? So I was like, oh, fuck. oh no. And he's kind of, he's kind of intimidating. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, he goes, so you're on page three. Is that what I'm getting out of this? And I was like, uh, if that, uh, Dana, remember we did, uh, because we're, we're talking about SNL this whole time. We, we did Quentin Tarantino's welcome back Cotter, uh, that sketch. And it was, mm -hmm. uh, I got to play horse shack. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, Mr. Cotter. And uh, and then it was, I guess John Travolta was the host, so he he came in, yeah, he came in and sh and they shot up everyone. It was like a bloody sketch that got really bad really quick. But I don't think Quentin was on the show. I think it was only because it was John Travolta was on he the was, show. He was he was hanging that? out. He said, "Yeah, okay." He really has that like savant level knowledge of cinema to the point where yeah. you're like. I mean, like he is citing, you know, yeah. the composer from this movie in 63 and the actor who also appeared in the thing. You're like, dude, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what the fuck you're talking about, but I like movies, too. <laughs> I, 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 I love movies, but yeah, he is like he is the next level of next level. And the way you guys broke down that scene in Inglorious Bastards, the whole oh, I Amer loved it. American speaking German, that whole segment and how he said he a lot of times you'll see his scenes and there's a familiarity to them, but he's doing things and he's making them better than you've ever seen them done. And that was the case of it. And an original take on a, on on something we've seen. You know, yes, I, I love his movies. I love his movies. Yeah, me too. I, I, fa I was hosting Jimmy Kimmel and he came out and I, I couldn't help it. I go, I love you. I was just like, I said, because I know you through your choices yeah. in your movies and I just appreciate your sense of humor, you know? Yeah, so funny. May I have another glass of your delicious milk? <laughs> Christoph Waltz and Glorious Bastards. Yeah, so good. Listen, Tom's a Cincinnati native. I'm wrapping him up. Watch this, Dana. Let me see. My my parents grew up, went to Denison, uh, which is a college near mm -hmm. Cincinnati. Or did you not know that? Don't Tarantino me. Denison is where they both went. You're not lighting up enough about that. You're mm. you are part Cajun. Cajun old man is, is from Cajun. You overdosed on GHB at 19. I like why is that short in here? Coma, short coma. Yeah. <laughs> A coma's terrifying. It dude. was 25 years ago last week. It was the day after Thanksgiving, Ooh. 25 years ago. You know, it was the first time I was freshman in college. I got together with all the people who are like back, you know, you're back home for the first yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just was on a tear that night and I was drinking. And that I used to do GHB yeah. a lot. And the, the number one rule, they were like, you do not mix this with alcohol. That was the number one rule. They're like, mm. you, have, you know, and I, I drank like 10, 12 you know, screwdrivers. And then I just took a massive dose of it. 
Oh, but you lived. Uh, you also were last comic standing. And my quick question is, is that the kind where you lived in the house? I never made it. I, um, I showcased on TV on the show, but they just showed me for like a second. I didn't get passed on, oh. even though I would, I would not really, I'll, I'll just say that that was some bullshit. They were just casting that show. Who won? And then who did you say when they won? They suck their dog shit. I don't remember anybody I showcased with. I mean, it was all like, we were all unknowns. Oh, yeah. They literally were like, oh, put the um, short, chubby girl, get that tall Indian guy. Oh, yeah. Like, it was like, it was just casting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone sent me a, an Instagram of you doing uh, your bit where you end up yelling bikes because they knew I was going to interview you. And I let's do it. It was hysterical. That, that, that whole piece is like just that. Yeah. That is funny to me that, um, I mean, everybody has like their most known bit. And for, mm -hmm. for sure, for me, um, it is bikes. Yeah. Scared straight. Yeah. Little kids going to prison and getting browbeat by. Every yeah. day. Every day of my life. They yell bikes. <laughs> Scared straight. Do you actually do stand up in Spanish? Yes. I was supposed to do a special in Spanish. And then I, I started touring in Spanish work i go i because they were like do a special i was like well i gotta like work it out man wow hard 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 if we're doing it in english I, and i do the show 200 times i gotta at least do 50 you know in spanish and i i probably did six weekends in spanish i did you know a texas weekend i did like houston dallas san antonio i did uh tempe i did san jose um and then the pandemic kind of just changed everything because that was when I was like gearing up for it. Mm -hmm. And then by the time that resolved itself, it was like the English tour was coming back and it was just, it was too mm. much to try to do both. Well, let me ask you a question. If the English language has certain rhythms that comedians use, you know, so she blew me or whatever. So I'm bump, bump, bump. Do you have to adjust when you're doing the, the, the rhythms of Spanish? I actually remember I went, I did this uh, show with uh, Richard Villa. This is uh, a very funny comedian who's uh, bilingual um, mexican-american and he was like dude he's like you realize you're doing exactly tom segura that we know in english he's like you don't have to change anything you're doing you're delivering exactly oh. as you do in spanish and he was like so you don't have to like mess with anything you said she she's a hot chick she's uh caliente or you're, you're he, 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 yeah. <laughs> but caliente is, is hot right Oh, you're talking about if I'm saying it. Saying it in Spanish, the syllables are more, and does that affect yeah. the rhythm? But I'm saying the delivery, you can keep your delivery authentic. Yeah, got it. Because <laughs> you hear singers. Culture you learn, which is like some, some like they uh, they like innuendo and they really like uh, like a wink and a nod. Some, some mm -hmm. cultures do, um, which I was like, I don't want to do that. And they're like, watch. And you just see how they... How much they love the double meaning, the double mm -hmm. and um, that stuff. But I, I just didn't make it part of my act. I saw that like some some audiences really like that, but I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna embrace doing a different style. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. your brain, with because I'm not bilingual, you have your brain and you have your bit in your head, and you just adjust it, and then you're just doing it all in Spanish. Yeah, you start that. figuring out. At first, your brain goes, translate this exactly. Mm -hmm. And that actually leads you into a place where you have gaps and there's things not getting laughs. Okay. Then what you have to do is start, you have to slow down and just start talking mm -hmm. and stop trying to translate exactly. Yeah. And that's when it starts to work more. And then you actually start writing 
in Spanish. And that's when it goes the best is because you're not actually trying to make this thing work over here that worked over there. You're just creating mm, for them. Okay. So that makes sense to me. There's a, it's a beautiful language. I'm constantly trying to speak Spanish it's very hard. to people who work. It was a it. lot of, it was so much more work than I, I imagine. And I would say that the other, the kind of cool thing is that I had not been that nervous to do stand up in over a decade. In other words, I get, you know, oh. in English, sure, I get butterflies. You're, you're like, oh, you know, you're about to go on stage and you might have some nerve. Mm -hmm. But the way that I would feel before I went on stage for these Spanish shows was like year two of stand up. Mm -hmm. So that was exciting because I was in a full panic of mm -hmm. like, I might fuck this up. I might bomb. I might not like that was kind of exciting. I was like, man, I never feel like this in English anymore. Did the audience, the audience knows you're, you're doing that. It, it, it's so-called your second language, your other language. Were they just, did they, did you get a standing ovation just for the sheer effort of it? Sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They would be. And you'd see a lot of like fans of mine who are um, bilingual, like they're the children of immigrants. And so they're, they're fans of me in English. They hear I'm doing the Spanish show and they're bringing their parents. Ah, cause they understand. Yeah. yeah. That would be happening too. That was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. That's awesome. Well, Tom, um, thank you. Well, that uh, that's all I wanted. I that I checked off all my questions. Yeah. Let me just say, Dana, it was an honor. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, Tom, thank you so much. I don't know who that other guy was, but uh, he seems. Oh, hey, funny. I was on Tom's podcast and we had a great time. We did have a great time. It was a blast, actually. And I uh, just want to say our our guest today was uh, Tom Segura, a funny young man. I can actually do a stand up in uh, in Spanish or English. Did you know that, Ed? <laughs> Me, muy bueno, is that it? <laughs> is that weird? <laughs> That's weird, wild uh, stuff. I was just doing that for your your fourteen yeah. year old self. Your there fourteen you year old. That Tom was self. awesome, man. Oh, Thanks, good, Tom. Uh, well, you guys, uh, anytime you want to charter out here um, and and uh, podcast, we would love to have you, you know. Oh, I'll definitely come out. I wanna, you bought yeah. a steak one night in Austin. That was good. Took I want to be in that. I want to sit where Tarantino sat. Listen, you have an open invite. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I I did get chills when he, he kind of challenged you on the book. That would be intimidating. <laughs> you know? He's got so much energy and so much knowledge. He's such a funny, uh, interesting character to listen to about film, man. But that that shows you, I had him on Kimmel and I, you have three minutes, commercial break. I was the guest host. And then you sit there for an hour and really get into stuff. So podcasting is He's jealous. an extraordinary for me, new development in, in in the way of being authentic and it's so much cooler and more fun than than the the yeah. band and the audience, which is great too. It's a big rock and roll moment, but it's like three minutes in, you got to get to a commercial and stuff. This is awesome. So anyway, come out to Austin, man. I will. There's a nonstop direct if I don't fly. Yeah, private. go Dana. Stop being like this. I will go out and do it if we if we can have a dinner afterwards because I I kind of want to pick your brain about what you know, because I still am trying to learn this whole world analytics and stuff. And uh, I feel like we just set a date. Yeah, we sort of did. Yeah. yeah. I can eat anything, you know, so you're, you're fit now. We get your trainer, your chef, maybe cooks and we just eat on the set or we can't go to that meat store. We went to 2018 <laughs> is when you came out for that special and you, you were just, you'd lost weight and you had a cool jacket. You you kind of were a rock star that it switched there a little bit, you know. Yeah, and then and then the special two years later, I gained twenty pounds back. Did you really? I didn't notice on on the final one. Really? Yeah. On, ball, on ball hog, I, I I definitely gained about twenty pounds. 
three weeks ago, I shot a new special. God Jeez. damn, relax. <laughs> I was just so thankful that I weighed less than I've ever weighed in a special. That's all. You don't, even, you don't have any jokes. You're like, just, you're like in a mirror, just like, check this out, guy. But uh, I think it's kind of nice if you can have a nice family and, and make a lot of money and be creatively fulfilled. And then also be really healthy and feel comfortable walking around on the planet. It's it's kind of a nice feeling. So, David, just a little all right. pointer. All right, I well, feel Tom, good and light. Bye, Tom. I thanks miss for you. all the time, Tom. All Bye, right. guys. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence Thirteen. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13, executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 